courtesy of Bob the Engineer, Dolly the Reception, and yes, your host, your servant, the Jester. Oh. My. Lord. We're wired that way. No point in fighting it. Hi, everybody. I'm Archie Bell with the Thrills of Houston, Texas. We don't only sing, but we dance. Once upon a time there was an engineer. Choo-choo Charlie was his name we hear. He had an engine and he sure had fun. He used good and plenty candy to make his train run. Charlie says, love my good and plenty. Charlie says, really make the bell. Charlie says, love my good and plenty. Don't know any of the candy that I love so well. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Here I am, in the city. on fire the roof the roof the roof is on fire the roof the roof the roof is on fire we don't need no water let the motherfucker burn burn motherfucker burn hey 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 good evening and welcome to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio, it's your old pal, the Jester, inviting you this evening to come on in and sit down, put your feet up, put your head back for the duration of the show. Hello, my name is Jimmy come on, come on I'm in. a dumb white guy. I'm not old or new, but middle school, fifth grade, like junior high. I don't know, mofo, if y'all peeps be fucking giving props to my hoe. Cause she the other white me, baby. I'm hung like planet Pluto, hard to see with the naked eye. But if I crashed into Uranus, I would stick it with the sun. Don't shine, baby. I'm kind of like a Han Solo. You can And the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. The roof, the roof. The roof is on fire. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water. Let the motherfucker burn. Burn, motherfucker, burn. Yeah. Oh, That's the way to do it. Hey, you tune into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio coming to you. From a secret location, so don't even ask. We're insulted, you would ask. Such a show we have planned for you this evening. Holy crap, Scully. As uh, Jester Robin would say. Uh, this is Sunday, February the 17th, the year of our lard, 2008. And it's just the perfect night for you to have stopped by. I think you're going to find that the uh, playlist is exceptional 
that the items that we have selected from the current events are enlightening. And I think that you'll find the uh, dialogue uh, riveting. And that's pretty much it. 646-502-8600 gets you live on the air with the Jester. Give us a call. Tell us what's on your mind this evening. Skype in at Jester Radio. And as usual, we're going to take a close look at what's going on in that sick fucking world of mine as well. And holy fritoli. Holy fritoli. So much shit is going on. As you know, the uh, my sister uh, died last week, and already the family intrigue is afoot. Everything's, uh, you know, you would think my family is like uh, the Rockefellers. The way they, like, close in when somebody dies, you know, it's like, it gets, like, very weird and spooky. And, you know, you would think, I grew up in the family, you would think to yourself, well, Jess, aren't you sort of um, immune to the, you know, aren't the people, you know, you think of sort of like the people that are born to, like, twisted uh, families as having, you know, no self-awareness, no perception of what, you know, they of what the family looks like from the outside because they've been living inside of it all their lives. But I have this weird thing. One, I never really got comfortable with the whole family vibe. And and two, I had this opportunity where I got to live outside my family's influence for a very um, uh, ex- a long period of my youth, from like the time I was like 14, 15 to like when I was 17, 18, um, I was in, you know, drug rehab outside of my family influence, and it just g- gave me uh, quite an opportunity to see my family the way the world sees my family. And I think, um, w- you know, whatever sort of detachment I had from them to begin with was sort of um, reinforced with that. So that's why I think I do have some perspective. Uh, sometimes I look at them and I go, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm sure that's just the way families are," and I'm, you know, and and it couldn't be farther from the truth. But sometimes I look at them and I think, "Wow, man, that is some twisted ass shit," and it's um, a lot of it's like around this, um, you know. But both of my brothers are lawyers, and they're like mean ass kind of like. Um, the like scary kind of fucking lawyers, you know, like as uh, soon as something happens, they get they clam up and they start like holding their cards very close to the vest and start doing shit very carefully, you know, and to what end? I'm not I'm never really sure because I don't know, they're both very very wealthy, so I suppose it's all about acquiring and protecting uh things. So, still it's really fucking creepy. Creepy as shit. Uh, let's turn our attention to the headlines from high atop Jester Radio Studios from the secret location outside. Uh, that'll do, Piggy. Suicide bomber penetrated a crowd watching a dogfighting competition in the Taliban's former stranglehold today, killing up to 80 people in one of the bloodiest bombings since the regime's 2001 ouster. So here we are, 
basically turning the clock back to 2001 now is what they're telling us. The worst, bloodiest bombing. 80 people killed. The attack follows a year of record violence. Predictions that the Afghan conflict could turn even deadlier this year. Several hundred people, including Afghan militia leaders, uh, had gathered in a uh, barren dirt field to watch the event. Uh, apparently, uh, Michael Vick was there. On the western edge of the southern city of Kandahar, witnesses reported gunfire from bodyguards after the blast, but it was not immediately clear if the bullets killed or wounded anyone. Prominent militia commander who stood up against the Taliban was killed in the attack, and officials said that uh, he may have been the target. Bombing uh, uh, crumpled several Afghan police trucks, turned the field uh, bloody red. Death tolls fluctuated. Kandahar Governor uh, Asadullah Khalid said 80 people died, while the health ministry said 70 people were killed, 70 wounded. Interior ministry said that 80 died and revised the death toll to 65. Whatever the fuck it is, a lot of fucking people were uh, killed. You can imagine a good deal, a number of people were wounded as well. This is, by the way, in Afghanistan, the country that we were supposed to have gone to war with after... Uh, 9-11, since this is where, you know, if I'll take you back to September 12th, uh, Bin Laden was in a, you know, desert in in um, the uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan had been taken over by the Taliban uh, some years earlier and were ruling with an iron fist, Sharia law. They had destroyed all the national monuments and done just irreparable uh, uh, carnage to the country and made it a, um, you know, basically a fertile uh, background, uh, a backyard for um, uh, bin Laden and his little group of merry men. That's where they all, uh, you know, trained in the desert there. And, of course, you remember that... uh, Right after 9-11, Bin Laden's, you know, little, I forget what his little representative, little mousy dude with the glasses got on TV and said, Bin Laden had nothing to do with it, doesn't know what the fuck, uh, you know, is going on. And uh, so, who knows? I got to tell you, you know, after uh, all the information, you know, my head's going to kind of swim. And uh, a couple of years ago, somebody uh, turned me on to this uh, 9-11 truth movement. You know, I was there in New York City when this happened. So I'm I'm sort of have a very strong emotional response to the 9-11 incident, not just as an American or as a, you know, but as a New Yorker. It was just a few blocks away from where I work. And... um, It was really too close for comfort. And, you know, you could even from, you know, up where I was, uh, you could, you know, smell the the burning, you know, chemicals and plastic and stuff in the air for, you know, weeks um, afterward. It was horrible. And so, but, you know, who the fuck knows if bin Laden even had anything to do with that. And this is, you know, so it's it's very obfuscated. Now, supposedly, he's he, he was originally going to be, uh, they were going to smoke him out, you know, come hell or high water. A couple of years later, you know, Bush laughed when a reporter asked him about bin Laden, saying, oh, he's irrelevant. You know, we, we're not even thinking about him. Uh, but he comes out with a video 
now and then. You, you know, if in fact the United States government did uh, perpetrate 9-11, then, you know, they just, you know, created bin Laden. So who knows? Maybe they killed him and, you know, and they're, they're making believe that they're looking for him. The truth is, you know, it sounds kind of uh, paranoid and twisted, but, man, do you put any of this past these fucking people? These are people that, you know, don't think it's torture to hold, to strap somebody down to a wooden board and, you know, flood them with water until they think they're going to fucking drown, till they start to black out. So... You know, these are people who lie to their own countrymen to, you know, to make an excuse to invade a sovereign nation because they can. No other reason. Because now's the time. Because history will vindicate us. Just like it did, you know, the pilgrims and Christopher Columbus. Were they imperialists? Do we see them today as imperialists, or were they just explorers, you know, uh, taking, you know, uh, the, the dirt onto their own feet in the name of their beloved queen? Well, that's all, you know, George Bush is doing. Only the country's already spoken for by another sovereign nation. Uh, the, the world's countries are already all split off into, you know... Uh, regimes so it's the, the there's no uh, the the um, the days of you know uh, you know finders keepers are over all the all the world's geography is accounted for now you can't just go on in and take it from somebody because you don't like their politics or you want their oil or because you can and you happen to be stronger than them or because you think uh, that if you leave them alone, that they'll be a danger to you in the future. You can't, uh, you know, hurt people preemptively. People can always change, um, and, you know, and you could always be wrong. It's one thing to stop somebody who's running towards your house holding an axe, but it's another thing to stop somebody who happens to have an axe in their garage and is muttering, walking around their living room, and they may be saying something about grabbing it and running towards you, or they may just be gibbering to themselves. It's a fine line. In any case, it's more of a scam because we've been talking about getting out of Iraq. What about getting out of Afghanistan? Where's the timetable for that? And and where's the surge? And where's the improvement in... in, in uh, uh, Afghanistan. I haven't seen any. I'm not even. I haven't even heard. Uh, you know, even in Iraq, there's a fictitious timetable based on you know when uh, they're capable of defending themselves. What's the even fictitious one for Afghanistan? I don't even know that one. You know, we're spread very, very thin, and that's why uh, they take troops from. They took troops from other, you know, bases from all over the world, um, even the reservists from the United States, and that's why, God forbid, there's a real crisis in the United States. Even if there were um, a a terrorist attack, we're less prepared here today than we were seven years ago because we have less. Army reserves in the stationed in the United States, they've they've all been moved over to Iraq. Go figure that. 
And you have to ask yourself, if their intention is really to protect the country, you know, is that the kind of thing that they would do? And, of course, the answer is no. This has nothing to do with protection. This has to do with keeping you in a perpetual state of war and a perpetual state of sacrifice so that you will unknowingly sign off on, you know, no-bid contracts for the company, incidentally, that the vice president who basically instigated this whole war, used to be the president of. Huh. Imagine that. Nation's foreclosure crisis has led to a painful irony for homeless people on any given night. They are outnumbered in some cities by vacant houses. Some street people are taking advantage of the opportunity by becoming squatters. Of course, foreclosure homes have an advantage over boarded up and dilapidated homes abandoned because of rundown conditions. Sometimes the heat, lights, and water are still working. That's what you call convenience, says James Burton, 41, an ex-convict and self-described bando or someone who lives in an abandoned house with, uh, while no one keeps numbers of the -the below-the-radar homeless, finding shelter in properties left vacant by foreclosures Homeless advocates agree that locations, even with utilities cut off, uh, would be inviting to some. There are risks for squatters, including uh, fires from candles, confrontations with drug dealers, prostitutes, copper thieves, or police. Many homeless people see the foreclosure crisis as an opportunity to find low-cost housing. (laughs) Extremely low-cost housing with some privacy. Brian Davis, director of the Northeast uh, Ohio Coalition for the Homeless, said in the summary of the latest census of homeless sleeping outside in downtown Cleveland. The census had dropped from 40 to 17 people. Davis, a board member of the National Coalition for the Homeless, cited factors including the availability of shelters in uh, foreclo- uh, shelter rather in foreclosed homes, Uh, aggressive sidewalk and street cleaning, and the relocation of the homeless uh, feeding site. He said there's an average of 4,000 homeless in Cleveland on any given night. There's an estimated 15,000 single-family homes uh, vacant due to foreclosures in Cleveland and suburban uh, Cuyahoga County. Can you imagine? I don't don't even know how big a city Cleveland is. I'm going to guess a million or two. But can you imagine a city hosting 4,000 homeless people on any given night? You know, I'm not a, I'm a libertarian. I don't believe in the government as the mommy, you know, slash tit. Uh, I don't believe in welfare um, state. I, you know, I don't believe that it's every man's uh, uh, obligation to uh, feed every other man. But... That being said, I do believe in charity, and I do believe in you know uh, um, each person reaching out to each other because I think it's um, something that we value. I think it's it's good to do things that we hold in high value, and I think charity is something we you know many of us do hold in high value. So it's good to do it, and I believe in it. And that also being said, between the government's welfare state. And human charity, the gift of human charity, it's shocking, man. It blows my fucking mind to think that uh, 4,000 people in Cleveland go homeless 
sleep on the street every night. Man, have you ever slept on the street? Let me ask you this. Have you ever slept like in a hallway in somebody's apartment? It's a fucking nightmare. It's horrible. Could you imagine sleeping on the street with your bundling up in your clothes, trying to pull your jacket closed, bundling up your your hands underneath your... I mean, what kind of fucking... On the cement? I tell you, man... It's a it's a hard-ass fucking world out there. In Texas, Larry James, president and chief executive officer of Central Dallas Ministries, said he wasn't surprised that homeless might be taking advantage of vacant homes in residential neighborhoods beyond the reach of the downtown agency. There are some campgrounds and creek beds and such where people would be tempted to walk across the street or climb out of the creek bed and sneak into a vacant house, he said. Bertrand who doesn't like shelters because of the rules, said that he's been homeless or in prison for drugs and other charges for the past nine years. He's noticed the increased availability of boarded-up homes amid the foreclosure crisis. He said a fresh building recently foreclosed offered the best prospects to the squatters. You can be pretty comfortable for a little bit until it gets burned out, he said, as he made the rounds of the annual stand-down where homeless in Cleveland were offered medical checkups, haircuts, a hot meal, and self-help information. They went in to get a haircut once a year, whether you need it or not. Sheila Wilson, 50, who's homeless for years because of drug abuse problems, also has lived in abandoned homes. And for the same reason as as Bertan, she kept getting thrown out of shelters for violating the rules. Every place I've been kicked out of because of drugs, she said. Hmm. They don't let you stay if you ha- if you're on drugs, which is great because that you know right off the bat it gets rid of like seventy five percent of the potential candidates for people who are you know to stay there. Hey, hanging with uh, Louis and Nespo in the Jester Radio chat room. Why not stop by and say hi? Five six four six five zero two eighty six hundred. Um, give us a call. Tell us what's on your mind. Skype in. It's Jester Radio. Uh, you can instant message us at Jester Radio One and ICQ us at nineteen twenty eight zero six zero seven. And I don't know. There's a whole bunch of other ways to get in touch with us. Email me at Roger at JesterRadio dot com. Send us a request uh, via the webpage or request at justradio.com. And that's it. I'm done. Imagine me and you. I do. I think about you day and night. It's only right to think about the girl you love. And you're on Jester Radio. Leave her where it Imagine is. Imagine me and you. I do. I think about you day and night. It's only right to think about the girl you love and hold her tight. So happy together If I should call you up Invest a dime And you say you belong to me And these my mind Imagine how the world could be So very fine So happy together
No matter how they toss the dice, it had to be. The only one for me is you, and you for me. So happy together. It had to be the only one for me is you and you for me. So happy together. To be the only one for me is you, and you for me. So happy together, so happy together. And how is the weather? So happy together. We're happy together. So happy. Always no way for a 
to go down Rich man can ride And the hobo, he can drown And I thank the Lord For the people I have found I thank the Lord for the people They can, and that is why. No, not if it's dark outside or light. And now I know Spanish Harlem are not just pretty words to say. thought I knew, but now I know that rose trees never grow in New York City. Subways, no way for a good man to go down. Rich man can ride, but the hobo, he can drown. And I thank the Lord for the people that I have found. I thank the Lord for the people that I have found. Well, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatters, sons of bankers, sons of lawyers, turn around and say good morning to the night, for unless they see the sky, but they can't. And that is why. They know not if it's dark outside or light. Man, Elton John back before he sucked on Jester Radio. The Turtle started that set with Happy Together. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown this Sunday, February the 17th. The year of our Lord, 2008. Can you imagine uh, sleeping uh, on a subway train in New York City? 
Can you imagine living on the subways? There are people that live on the subway because, uh, you know, there's a, like always cops there and they're always moving around and they're always like uh, underground and indoors so it's not as cold. That's the way they fucking live, man. I mean, it's not like they're digging it. It's not like they're camping out. You know, I remember when Ronald Reagan said the only people in America that were that were homeless wanted to be homeless. And everybody just sort of like, you know, like, you know, I think he got dropped on that one. But, uh, you know, just imagine, man, what a fucking, you know, and, and I know everybody thinks it can't happen to them. But, you know, could be who knows. Bad shit can happen to people, you know. I, I lived and uh, worked in New York City for uh, over 25 years, and I knew a lot of homeless people. There was one guy I knew for years and years. He used to stand by this one particular building at this one particular spot, and he read the New York Times every single day from cover to cover. And, you know, he wasn't, like, old. He was, like, in his mid-30s. Um, and he stood and read the New York Times from cover to cover every day. And, you know, I would speak to him some days. If it was cold, I'd come down and bring him a cup of joe, you know. And he was very, very quiet, and he would very rarely talk about himself. Um, but he was not like some gibbering, toothless bum. There was something going on there. And, of course, you know, my friend Tim Cooney... <laughs> Whenever a bum, he had his own bum named Christopher that he sort of, um, I think he took him on, on, on his taxes, you know. He he sort of sponsored him and, like, you know, fed him a couple of times a day and, you know, talk, talk to him like when he was bummed out and shit. And if any other, like, bum came up to him, he'd be like, no, 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 I have, I have a bum. I have a full-time bum. I'm taking care of somebody, so I'm exempt. And they'd be like, oh, oh okay, you got your own bum? Gotcha. It was like the Christian bum fund, you know, where they send you a picture and they tell you what they're up to. <laughs> That's what Timmy had going there. Hey, you're listening to the Roovings of a Clan on Jester Radio. Uh, why not uh, give us a call and get it off your mind? I know you're seething and you're just uh, burning up inside about uh, something offensive and terrible that we said or did recently um, in the uh, past. Get it off your chest at 646-502-8600. 646-502-8600 gets you to uh, Jester Radio. Hey, you're on the air with uh, your old pal, the Jester. What say ye? Hey, Jester, it's Murray. Hey, Murray. How you doing? I want to play Stump the Jester. All right. Well, let's have it, son. All right, uh, so as I understand, the rules of the game is I name any song ever written, and you know all the lyrics? That's correct. I would say right. that I know the lyrics, too, by heart. You know, a lot of people question whether or not uh, when I do these uh, talk-ins that I'm reading the lyrics. Do they, so do they sound like I'm reading them? Sure. They do. Well, I'm not. I know. I know the lyrics to probably well over two thousand songs by heart. I, I think I got one here that you'll never get. All right, let's go. You ever hear of a song called Shaboom Shaboom? Shaboom Shaboom. Shaboom Shaboom. Life would be a dream. Shaboom, and I would take you up in paradise up above. Shaboom, and tell you, darling, I'm the only one that you love. Life would be a dream. 
Sweetheart, hello, hello again. Shaboom and hope we meet again. Boom, ba boom, alana, ling long, alagan, 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 a boom, ba bip, a dooby dooby dip. Life would be a dream. Life would be a dream, sweetheart. Every time I look at you, something is on my mind. If you do what I want you to, baby, we'd be so fine. Life could be a dream. Shaboom, if I could take you up in paradise up above. Shaboom, and tell you, darling, I'm the only one that you love. Life could be a dream, sweetheart. Wow. I, I wish I is was that, reading along. Is that the song you, <laughs> you were referring to? <laughs> was it doo-dop de bip or pip-pop? Dooby-dooby-dip. Dooby-dooby-dip. Wow, well. All right, well, how about, can you uh, sing along to a track? Now, I that is, by the, the way, there's, there's lots of different versions of that uh, song. It was originally done by the... Uh, crew cuts, crew cuts. Uh, but it was covered, of course, you know, many times. Most notably by the by the chords, which a lot of people for them is the definitive version. But this is the actual. Um, this is the actual song. Life could be a dream, sweetheart. Hello, hello again. Shaboom, and hoping we'll meet again. Oh, life could be a dream. If only all my precious plans would come true. If you would let me spend my whole So, hey, can you actually sing along if I uh, request a different? Yeah, like for what? I'm, I'm sorry. What's it? Something is on. It's a tune called uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh, why? You think that I would have a uh, good voice for the... for the? You, well, m- you mean the Bonnie Tyler version? You mean the Bonnie Tyler version, of course? Or oh, the, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's another great... Ver- you know that there's another amazing version of that, right? Do they, no, do they hit all the same notes? It, you know, it's actually almost like a... It's one of these rare covers that's almost like a... Um, like a, um, I forget the word for it, but it's like a too close a cover. It, it's a tr- if you if you listen to it casually, it sounds like the exact original tune. It's probably done by Rod Stewart. It's done by uh, Nikki French, and uh, but it's a real Bonnie Tyler imitation. But no, I don't think I I don't think that would be a good song. But I could, of course. But I think that would be kind of uh, excruciating. Well, excruciating. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm prepared. All right, well, I'll take it under advisement. Thanks for calling in, Mortimer. Murray. Dream of something wise. Turn around. Every now and then. 
falling apart There's nothing I can do A total eclipse of the heart Once upon a time, there was light in my life, but now there's only love in the dark. And there, that's right, man. I got them all right up here in my noodle. And you know why? That's because there's no room for anything else. Get it? What? Oh, wait, that's not what I meant. Hey, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Chester Radio this uh, Sunday, February the 17th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Yes, it's very much like a circus trick, the way I have uh, memorized thousands and thousands of song lyrics. And you may ask yourself, why? Why would a person do such a thing? Well, why would a person sit with headphones on their head in their home, in their bedroom, in a bedroom, by the way, incidentally, that's larger than my entire apartment now, and listen to the same song, you know, I'd be, I'd be lying if I told you that a hundred times in a row was an exaggeration, but it wasn't. So if you can fathom that, I could actually very possibly get up at like five or six in the morning, put on a pair of headphones and listen to the same song until one or two o'clock in the morning and then go to bed very easily. Why would I do such a thing? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Not, well, why would I know the words? I know every note to every instrument in that song. The question is, why would I do that? So, that's the question. You didn't think I was going to tell you, did you? Hey, uh, why not stop by the Jester Radio chat room, uh, hanging with Louie and Espo, or give us a call via Skype at Jester Radio, or via our new uh, Jester Radio call-in telephone line at 646-502-8600. Nancy Reagan says that the former First Lady has been hospitalized after falling in her home in Bel Air. You know, man, when you get to the point, when you get to the age that when you fall down, they put you right in the hospital, that's it. For me, that's like it. I don't, I don't want to be alive when I can't fall. <laughs> I'm still falling. I'm 48 years old. I probably fell just the other day. I've, I'm constantly falling. Well, maybe not that often, but I fall, and I didn't have to be hospitalized. Spokeswoman Joanne Drake says that the 87-year-old Reagan was taken to St. John's Hospital in uh, Santa Monica for an examination today. Doctors determined she didn't break a hip. So it's actually news that she didn't break her hip. How do you like that? My father is 87 years old, and he didn't break a hip today either. Hey, uh, give us a call at 646-502-8600 if your father didn't break his hip today. Revolvers, fired guns, waved red and black Albanian flags. Uh, I should say revelers uh, fired their guns. Set off fireworks over Kosovo today after Parliament proclaimed independence in defiance of Serbia and Russia, which condemned the declaration of the world's newest nation a decade after a bloody separatist war with Serbian forces that claimed 10,000 lives. Lawmakers pronounced the territory the Republic of Kosovo and pledged to make it a democratic, multi-ethnic state. Its leaders looked for a swift recognition from the U.S. and key European powers, but also braced for a bitter showdown. Serbia called the declaration illegal, 
and its ally Russia denounced it, saying it threatened to touch off a new conflict in the Balkans. Russia and Serbina called for an emergency session of the U.S. of uh, the U.N. Security Council, which met later today in the capital. Pristina, the mood was jubilant. Thousands of ethnic Albanians braved sun-freezing, uh, sub-freezing temperatures to ride on the roofs of their cars, singing patriotic songs and chanting "Claw, Claw," the acronym for the now disbanded Rebel Kosovo Liberation Army. They waved American flags alongside the red Albanian banner "Claw," the famous cry of "Claw," banner imprinted with black double-headed eagle. Many dressed in traditional costumes and played trumpets and drums. And an ethnic Albanian couple named their newborn daughter Pavarisi, Albanian for independence. This is the happiest day of my life, said Mary Shehu, 68 years old. Now we're free, and we can celebrate without fear. This is the happiest day. This is my Albanian imitation. By contrast, police in the Serbian capital, Belgrade, fired tear gas and rubber bullets in skirmishes with protesters who opposed the declaration. Groups of masked thugs ran through downtown Belgrade, smashing windows and ransacking tobacco stands. They went right for the tobacco. At least 30 people <laughs> right for the tobacco and stuffed their pockets. At least 30 people. This is why I have to fucking laugh, man. Why do they go right for the tobacco stands? Because it has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with objecting to these other people. They don't even know what the fuck the other people are doing, what the meaning of it, what the impact on them is. They're just fucking going ape shit, and they're using politics or some kind of deep-seated belief as a ruse to steal somebody else's property. It's just thuggery. It's just pure thuggery. That's what the world is. It's ruled by thugs, by people who just get what they fucking want because they want it, and they give the flimsiest, thinnest, fucking most bullshit excuse for why they're going after it. Like, oh, uh, they have weapons of mass destruction. They're a real threat to us. And then now here we are six years later. We see they never did have those weapons of mass destruction. They never were a threat to us. And they're like, whose fucking side are you on? The towel heads or Americans? Are you an American? You unpatriotic son of a bitch? Check your package, goddammit. Grounded by bad weather, Hillary Rodham Clinton noshed on eggs at a diner, visited a Hispanic grocery today while advisors argued that Barack Obama had abandoned a commitment to accept public funding if he wins the Democratic presidential nomination. Let me tell you, man, this fucking Barack Obama, he is a cash-making machine. This guy is making more money than in the history of campaigns he's making like a million dollars a day a lot of people want to see this guy win and i'll tell you something i don't often change my mind and i'm not ready yet to change my mind about whether or not hillary is going to win because i'm still predicting a, a win for hillary but i got to tell you one thing about this guy you know i said in the past i don't like his inexperience and i don't like you know but i'll tell you one thing i do like about this guy he is calm as a rock you ask him a question, man, he's unflustered, he thinks a moment, he seems to be thoughtful, he, he, he's not trying to chase his own tail. Uh, 
It's nice, you know, it would be nice to have somebody in charge of the country that's thoughtful and, uh, and uh, you know, contemplative and puts a little, puts a little you know, uh, thought into how they're going to respond. Of course, you have to have, you know, the horsepower to do that. The president, you know, we have is a wastio. He doesn't even have a fucking brain. When he thinks, the more he thinks about shit, the stupider shit he says. So I do like that about Barack. Weather also forced uh, Obama to cancel uh, his only planned event in the state of Milwaukee, a um, town hall in Calcuna. Earlier, he flew secretly to North Carolina to visit former Senator John Edwards, whose endorsement, whose endorsement both Clinton and Obama are seeking. Edwards quit the campaign earlier this month. Last week, Obama's campaign walked back from a proposal um, the Illinois senator made just last year to accept public financing um, for the general election if the Republican nominee also agreed to do so. Such a commitment would level the financial playing field with the apparent GOP nominee John McCain, whose campaign uh, has uh, had a hard time raising money, um, certainly harder than Obama has, who's broken all fundraising records. So he's, 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 you know, reconsidering. We'll see how he goes on this. If he stands by this, then uh, my opinion of him will go up a full, you know, maybe three quarters to a full notch. If he stands up and says, well, I agreed to it. Uh, maybe I didn't know what I was getting into when I said it, but I said it and I'm going to stand by it. You know, then you figure you could take the man at his word. He's going to go up a notch on you. Obama's campaign said accepting public financing would be an option he would consider if he wins the nomination rather than a hard pledge. Clinton advisors seized on the apparent shift, suggesting it highlighted Obama's pattern of making promises to voters and revising them later as circumstances change. When a campaign is based on promises and wonderful oratory, let's take a look at those promises, Clinton spokesman Howard Wolfson told reporters on a conference call. He refused to say whether Clinton would commit to accepting public financing if she wins the Democratic nomination. That's not the point. She never said she wasn't going to accept it. We will assess the situation when we get to that point, he said, Well, while we're grabbing the money with both hands. That's when we'll let you know. As evidence that Obama abandons promises, Wolfson noted that Obama once had stated his support for a single-payer government-run health system only to revise his views as he contemplated a presidential bid. We don't need lectures on campaign finance from a campaign that's accepted more money from lobbyists than any other Republican or Democratic candidate who's run for president. Obama's spokesman Bill Burton said, this is a question uh, we will all address uh, if and when Obama is the nominee. Well, there you go. I guess they feel like their hands are fairly clean. So I honestly don't think uh, his changing his idea from the single-payer system to, uh, you know, whatever his new system is, is, a, is really in a, what I would consider to be like a flip-flop necessarily. If that's the best that the Clinton campaign can point out that he's uh, flipped on, then I, I don't know. I'm not that worried about him. If they're saying that he said... Uh, um, you know, I'm for killing baby seals, and now he's against killing baby seals. Now, that's, that's a flip-flop. The sprawling Chicago suburbs that send their sons and daughters to Northern Illinois University struggle today. 
With the closeness of the country's latest massacre, this time the gunmen grew up among them. The tragedy hung over church services throughout the region, from the university's home in DeKalb, on Chicago's western exurban edge, to Elk Grove Village, where the gunmen grew up in what, was, in what one resident called Maybury, to blue-collar Cicero bordering Chicago. My old man grew up in Chicago. He grew up in a sort of a ritzy uh, area of Chicago, but it was downtown Chicago nonetheless. And, um, you know, I've been there a couple of times in my life, you know, for business and some sort of stuff. And I got to tell you, man, it's a tough little fucking town, you know. For a New Yorker, uh, it's not a fucking fruitsy kind of L.A. kind of town, but it's a lot like New York City in a way. And uh, it's an interesting place. Parishioners at Our Lady of the Mount Catholic Church in Cicero prepared the funeral of Catalina Garcia, the youngest of four children of parents originally from Guadalajara, Mexico. They're longtime parishioners at Our Lady of the Mount, a tight-knit group of low- and middle-income families, many of them young, with some older Czech and other immigrants. Their parents are making all sorts of sacrifices to make sure the kids get into colleges, they're selling things, they're taking out second mortgages on their homes, the Reverend Lawrence Collins said at the church. Garcia, 20, followed a brother, Jamie, to NIU, a choice of many working-class Chicago-area families. She was studying to be a teacher and had talked about returning to Cicero to teach first grade. It's really close to home, Collins said. The Garcias were the typical Mexican-American family, working low-wage jobs to low-wage jobs to help put their children through school. Jamie Garcia said today on the porch of the family's two-story red brick home, my parents came here to better their lives, he said. They worried more about their children getting caught in gang crossfire at home than away at college in the cornfields of DeKalb. Wow. <sighs> what a heartbreaker, man. They're just the average Mexican-American family. Just fucking blown away. They send their fucking kids. They work like horses. They could, God knows what they go through to get to America from you know where they come from. Uh, they, they raise a kid and somehow put them to college with all the fucking uh, racism and prejudice they they got against them. They're probably working like you know horses cleaning up somebody else's shit. And the kid goes off to college. They must be going to sleep at night thanking their lucky stars. And the fucking kid gets blown away by a loony bird. You know, I said it before and I'll say it again. It's, it's, uh, you got to keep the children away from the guns. I'm not for, you know, getting rid of the guns. I accept the fact that, you know, you can't, you can't stop people from owning things. It's not, you know, it's not a democracy. If you tell them you can't, you know, own things that they have a perfectly legitimate reason to use. But we do have to make a concerted effort. Children have a underdeveloped medulla oblongata which is in the base of their brain. It's not even fully developed until they're 21, 22, 23 years old. And this is the part of the brain that allows you as an adult to uh, control impulses. That when you think that you're going to just go fucking ape shit, you know you can take a deep breath, smile, and say... You know, I need my job. I have to pay my mortgage. I'm not going to tell my boss to suck my big, fat, hairy cock. 646-502-8600. 646-502-8600. Give us a call at Jester Radio. 
uh, and uh, tell us what's on your mind. And um, we were talking earlier about what it must be uh, like to sleep with your head, uh, you know, on your hands outdoors. You know, on the one hand, we did obviously uh, sleep that way in caves for millions of years, or at least hundreds of thousands of years um, along the way. But, you know, we've been indoors for a long time, sleeping on pillows. And I think it's a much more than just a physical uh, thing uh, from sleeping outdoors. It must just feel like... Um, like you've, you know, fallen as low as a person could possibly fall. Just must feel just as hopeless and, uh, um, and, and frightening and sad and tragic and lonely as anything could possibly feel. Uh, we're on Jester Radio coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. Please don't touch that dial.
that cafe at a quarter past eleven. Same old man sitting there on his own, looking at the world over the rim of his teacup. In each tea lesson on, and he wanders home alone. So how can you tell me that you're lonely? It's safe for you that the sun don't shine. Or let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London. I'll show you something to make you change your mind. Have you seen the old man outside Seaman's Mission? Memory fading with the metal ribbons that he wears, and in our winter city the rain cries a little pity for one more forgotten hero and a world that doesn't care. So how can you tell me that you're lonely? They say for you that the sun don't shine. Or let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London. I'll show you something to make you change your mind. All night cafe at a quarter past eleven. Same old man sitting there on his own, looking at the world over the rim of his teacup. And each tea lasts an hour, and then he wanders home alone. And how can you say that you're lonely and say for you that the sun don't shine? Well, let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London. I'll show you something to make you change your mind. Ralph McTell on Jester Radio. Uh, There's, um, you know, another beautiful song reminding us that there are folks out there that are sleeping outside tonight. Uh, Jethro Tull before that and Aqualon. Uh, that was a character that was actually based on a real guy that used to hang out up on 57th Street and like 6th Avenue uh, that walked around with um, um, a big coat and and Viking uh, helmet. Some wacko on 6th Avenue, like in front of the CBS building. Hey, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown. It's Sunday, February the 17th, the year of our Lord, 1989. And our phone line is 646-502-8600. Jesterradio.com is the uh, worldwide web address of our homepage. And I do uh, ask that you do stop by and visit it sometime this evening. And if you get a chance, please do hit that donate button. And, uh, you know, give a couple of bucks. To be perfectly honest with you, the truth is, you know, we'd all be doing this here whether you donate or not. We just couldn't help ourselves. 
um, but it really goes a long way uh, to the cause. And, uh, of course, it um, ends up benefiting everybody. So um, stop by there and hit that button there, and uh, you'll feel great about us, and you'll feel great about yourself, and we'll keep bringing you this uh, twisted perspective. Um, and you can sit back and enjoy your head back permission uh, every evening. Um, JesterRadio.com. Keep in mind there are two R's in that URL. Severe weather howled through much of the nation today, producing damaging tornadoes in the south that injured nearly 30 people and treating winter-weary parts of the Midwest to freezing rain, snow, and flooding. A tornado damaged or destroyed about 200 homes and businesses in Prattville outside Montgomery, Alabama, where Mayor J- uh, Jim Biard said crews searched for people trapped in the wreckage. No fatalities were immediately reported, but two people were critically injured, according to Fire Marshal Dallas Johnson. 27 people had minor injuries, officials said. It's very possible we may have more uh, injuries, um, he said, saying that some trapped people have been rescued. 35-bed uh, mobile hospital unit was set up outside of Kmart, to treat victims with minor to moderate injuries. 35-bed mobile hospital. Where do you get such a thing? 35-bed mobile hospital. Wow. I wonder if that's like um, like a tent, like a huge tent, or is it they put up walls? Or I'd love to know. Are they, or do they literally just wheel in like 15 trailers? that are set up as little hospital suites. Man. Toppled utility poles. Nice to know they got shit like that, isn't it? Toppled utility poles and storm debris littered the area northeast of Montgomery, while five miles off Interstate 65, shelters open at churches, school buses, shuttled storm victims out of the stricken area to the city center. David Shoup, 18, assistant manager at Palm Beach Tan, said... He and a co-worker barely made it into the laundry room before the roof fell in and the wind tossed a shopping carts aloft. Man, as soon as we turned the corner, you know the shopping carts? <laughs> Man, if it picked those fuckers up, those things are heavy. As soon as we turned the corner, the roof collapsed everywhere except the laundry room, Shoup said, standing beside his white Lexus with front windshield cracked by debris and the other windows shattered. About 9,000 homes and businesses lost power in Prattville after storms swept through the south, damaging homes elsewhere in Alabama and the Florida Panhandle. A tornado destroyed four homes in Escambia County, Florida, with several others damaged country and National Weather Service officials also said. Across the border in Escambia County, uh, Alabama, two houses were destroyed by a possible tornado in rural Dixie. You didn't know there really was a town called Dixie, did you? Storm damaged some uh, structures in Covington County, Alabama, toppled trees. Uh, The National Weather Service warned of tornado threats and winds of nearly 70 miles per hour as the storm system moved into Georgia. Freezing rain and snow fell across the southern two-thirds of Wisconsin, still weary from a major snowstorm that stranded hundreds of motorists and snarl-traveled for days, numerous crashes were reported. Authorities urged people to stay the fuck off the roads. The National Weather Service issued a blizzard warning for much of Iowa and Wisconsin, as well as flood warnings 
in parts of the two states. The conditions forced shopping malls, libraries, and churches to close. Democratic presidential candidates Hillary Rodham Clinton and Barack Obama postponed or canceled campaign stops ahead of uh, Tuesday's primary. Heavy snow and slush closed Kansas City International Airport for almost six hours, the longest closure in its 35-year history. Dozens of flights were canceled. The severe weather in the south comes on the heels of a tornado outbreak this month that killed more than 50 people in several states, including Alabama. So, and that's obviously, you know, Jesus punishing us for tolerating homos, as you know. The U.S. Department of Agriculture today ordered the recall of 143 million pounds of frozen beef from a California slaughterhouse, the subject of an animal abuse investigation that provided meat to school lunch programs. Check this out. Officials said it was the largest beef recall in the U.S., surpassing a 1999 ban of 35 million pounds of ready-to-eat meats. No illnesses have been linked to the newly recalled meat, and officials said that the health threat was likely small. So it's not a recall because there's something wrong with the meat. It's a recall because there's something wrong with how they got the meat. You with me so far? The recall will affect beef products dating back to February of 2006 that uh, came from the Chino-based Westland Hallmark Meat Company. According to the federal agency, Secretary of Agricultural Ed Schaefer said that uh, his department has evidence that Westland did not routinely contact its veterinarian with uh, when, when cattle became non-ambulatory after passing inspection uh, violating health regulations. So he's supposed to call the doctor when the cows can't walk, and he didn't do that, apparently. Because the cattle did not receive complete and proper inspection, food safety, and inspection service has determined them to be unfit for human food. And the company is conducting a recall, Schaefer said. In a statement, a phone message left for Westland President Steve Mendel was not immediately returned. Federal officials suspended operations at Westland Hallmark after an undercover Humane Society video surfaced showing crippled and sick animals being shoved with forklifts. Mm. Ooh, that's creepy. Two former employees were charged uh, on Friday, five felony counts of animal cruelty. Three misdemeanors were filed against a pen manager. Three misdemeanor counts, illegal movement of non-ambulatory animal, were filed against an employee who worked under that manager. Both were fired. Authorities said the video showed workers kicking, shocking, and otherwise abusing downer animals that were apparently too sick or injured to walk into the slaughterhouse. Some animals had water forced down their throats. San Bernardino County Prosecutor Michael Ramos said no uh, charges have been filed against Westland, but an investigation by federal authorities continues. Officials estimate that about 37 million pounds of the recalled beef went to school programs. But they believe most of the meat probably has already been eaten. We don't know how much product is out there right now. We don't think uh, there's a health hazard, but we do have to take this action, said Dr. Dick Raymond, uh, United States Department of Agricultural uh, Undersecretary for Food Safety. So it's because these animals were beaten up a lot that any food dating back to basically when this investigation started, probably for this, you know, ever, since those people were working there at least. Uh, that the animals were treated that way, so 
Which is why, you know, I mean, it's, um, I love how they, you know, call it inhumane because as if uh, humans have some kind of, um, some kind of monopoly on, you know, treating other animals with compassion and, and care. But in fact, it's uh, um, other animals do more so uh, than humans do. Humans are very brutal and heartless. No, other animals in the wild don't treat each other like this. Um, so uh, it's just, uh, you know, these, these, these people who work at these places, either they become, you know, somehow numbed to, you know, the, the pain of another creature, or there's something really wrong with them. And this is an opportunity. They, you know, water seeks its own level. They find a place, you know, that that they can call home because they get to abuse animals and there's no oversight. How do you run an operation like this, you know, without having somebody watching you like a hawk? Seems to be too much opportunity for exploiting this situation. The hunt for a serial rapist spread fear around a college campus today after people linked a, a police linked a 19-year-old woman's death to at least two other attacks in the area in Reno, Nevada. The woman's body was, was, was found on a field in, on Friday, nearly a month after she vanished from a home at the edge of the University of Nevada uh, in Reno. Police said Brianna Dennison has been, uh, had been abducted and strangled in what was called a sexually motivated crime. Sexually motivated. So the guy took her to rape and torture her. Freshman Daryl and Thomas, who lives in a dormitory two blocks away from the house, said the sting of attacks had uh, alarmed the students. A lot of students think that he's going to do it again, Thomas said yesterday at the student union building. Everybody's pretty scared. Students are carrying around tasers, pepper spray, and bear spray. I'm very paranoid. Bear spray. What the fuck is bear spray, anyway? University President Milton Glick issued a statement urging students to take precautions. The attacks have led to expanded campus patrols and escorts, seminars on personal safety, and the distribution of whistles to female students. I'll tell you an interesting story. is After the Jeff and I broke up and I was still living in Boston, I went out to a bar one night and I met this chick. Um, her name was Amanda. And um, she was sort of like a large old girl, um, but she was extremely hot and attractive. And I was trying out my um, sort of new freedom there uh, this evening. And um, so she we started. We started talking to each other in the bar, and she and she said, "You know, what should I have as a drink?" And I said, "Well." What you know? What do you like to drink? She said, "I like coffee." I said, "Well, you should try uh, like an Irish coffee. It's got your coffee beverage there, plus your alcohol." And I don't know if I mentioned that, but the caffeine gives you the zots there. That's why they mix beverages, alcohol with caffeine or alcohol with sugar. You know, like tonic water and stuff, because it gives you the zinging. It's it, it makes your heart rate increase and it makes the alcohol go to work f that much faster. So you get drunk faster with mixed drinks than you do with pure alcohol. And caffeine and sugar were the perfect things. So lots of sugar and cream and, you know, 
and she took take one sip and she said this is really good but my coffee is much better you should try it why don't you come upstairs i live right upstairs above the bar i said holy muddy. obviously well, everything i'm doing is working so we go upstairs and you know we 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 have protracted uh, uh, sex and uh, in the balcony and on the bed and on the edge of the table stand and in the shower. And then on my way out the door, her roommate tried to have sex with me. And I barely got out with my skin. And years later, and then like a few months later, she sent me a card in the mail uh, on my birthday, which was very nice. And then years later, I sort of thought, what, gee, what if it happened to good old Amanda? And um, as I will do, stalk my ex-lovers, as I have been prone to do, I looked her up, and I found out that she was a, remember I said she was a large girl. Not overly large, but she was a big one. It turned out she had gone into security. And... Um, She'd gone into security because she had been attacked and raped after I had known her years later. And uh, she wanted to protect other ladies from, and, you know, blew my fucking mind, man. This was a woman that I knew. And she had been attacked and brutally fucking raped and uh, um, really, you know, just changed her life. Obviously, just changed her life uh, in that she probably lives with it every single day of her life in her mind. You know, that kind of effect. And so much so that it changed her career. She chose what to do based on that. She couldn't get it out of her fucking head, probably. And uh, But in the end, I think she was probably well-suited for it because she was a big one. Not that I was glad that anything bad you know, happened to her. But of course, you know, for me in my life, it was always another source of guilt. I always felt like, man, I was like, hmm... I wonder, should I stayed with her and it's all my fault? Toshiba may pull the plug on its high-definition DVD format, but no decision has been made. Japanese electronics maker said in a statement on Monday, Toshiba Corp has started a review of its HD DVD business. It said amid reports by the Wall Street Journal and Kyoto News Agency that uh, Toshiba was considering pulling out and losing ground to the competing Blu-ray format. The journal, citing people familiar with the situation, reported today that the company is likely to pull out uh, early this week. A Toshiba pullout would signal the almost certain defeat of HD DVD to Blu-ray, which is backed by Sony, uh, five major Hollywood movie studios, and others. Only one format has been expected to emerge as the winner, much like VHS trumped Sony's Betamax in the video format battle of the 1980s. I love when they trot out that example because, ironically, it's it's perfectly accurate in that um, not only will consumers always choose, but they'll always choose the wrong one. Recently, the Blu-ray disc format, you know, the uh, the um, the Betamax was such a superior format, and the and the reason that the consumer ended up choosing VHS over Betamax was, was such a stupid reason because of the length of the tape, the capacity of the tapes that they were making were not long enough. For people wanted to record their own, you know, TV shows, not make their own movies. So when the Betamax 
you know, cassettes weren't available yet in those sizes. But by the time Betamax lost, it had all those sizes and much more. It was just too little, too late. People didn't get it. So likewise, Blu-ray is going to win, but not because Blu-ray is better. Recently, the Blu-ray disc format's been gaining market share while Toshiba's been forced to slash prices to sell its HD DVD machines. Uh, today, Walmart stores, the biggest U.S. retailer, said that it will sell Blu-ray DVDs and hardware and no longer carry HD DVD offerage. The announcement came five days after Netflix said that it's going to cease carrying rentals in the HD DVD. Several major U.S. retailers have made several uh, decisions, including Target and Blockbuster. Last month, Warner's uh, Brothers decided to release movies in uh, only in the Blu-ray format, becoming the latest studio to reject HD. So that's it. End of the line. HD was touted as being cheaper because it was uh, more similar to previous video technology, while Blu-ray uh, boasted a bigger recording capacity than the HD. But, you know, the truth is that that has nothing to do with it and nobody really cares about any of that shit. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio, 646-502-8600. Skype in at Jester Radio and it's Pet Clark on JR. Please don't touch that dial. Don't sleep in the subway, darling. The night is long. 
You know, a, a common pathology to anybody that's uh, lived in New York or known somebody from New York is there's a lot of folks that uh, don't ever go outside. It's a lot more than you would think. In New York City, it's very easy to get that way. So you can get anything delivered to your apartment at any time, day or night. And when I say anything, I mean anything, literally. Anything you can imagine. And, uh, you know, it's hard to believe there are people living inside, locked up like that, flipping the dial around, watching CNN, sort of getting, you know, freaked out about what's going on outside. And, uh, and then there are the people that are living outside. 
And you have to ask yourself, man, how did we get here? Just doesn't seem like the the animals in the forest are having this kind of problem. What's our fucking problem? I wonder, and I worry. Don't you? Give us a call, 646-502-8600, and tell us what's on your mind. I don't know, it just freaks me out. I don't mean about all this. I mean about Toshiba ending the uh, high-def format. That's the shit that freaks me out. China said today it was concerned about the U.S. military plans to shoot down a damaged spy satellite. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. The United States has decided that this spy satellite that's floating around out there, they wouldn't want it to get into the hands of the enemy. So they're going to send up a uh, Patriot missile and blast it out of existence. Now the Chinese are coming forward, and they're saying, whoa, 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 way, way, slow down, Jackson Brown. What is this there you're blasting up in the sky? It's funny, they always sound like Mel Brooks. What are you blasting with the rocket in the sky all of a sudden? Slow down. The U.S. military has said that uh, it hopes to smash the satellite as soon as next week just before it enters into Earth's atmosphere with a single missile fired from a Navy cruiser in the northern Pacific Ocean. The official Xinhua News Agency quoted Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Liu Zhanshuao as saying the Chinese government was monitoring the situation and uh, has urged the U.S. to avoid causing damages in securing outer space and in other countries. Relevant departments of China are closely watching the situation and working out preventative measures. <laughs> They're handing out little hats. Uh, Lu said, Jinhua did not uh, elaborate. Russia also voiced worries about the U.S. plan to shoot down the damaged satellite, saying that it may be a, v a veiled test of America's missile defense system, which, if it is, it's apparently not very well veiled. The U.S. has insisted the plan to shoot down the satellite is not a test of their program to kill other nations' orbiting communications and intelligence capabilities. The Bush administration and U.S. military officials have said that the bus-sized satellite is carrying a fuel called uh, hydrazine, which could infect or injure or even kill people who are near it when it hits the ground. Ooh, it's got a hydrazine. You know, it reminds me of that scene in uh, Close Encounters where the guy says, we've got to figure out some kind of bullshit story that's going to clear every man, woman, and child out of a 300-square-mile radius of this here area. And they, you know, like, they said that, oh, everybody who was exposed to that area was going to get, like, you know, toxic poison leaked out of a train that overturned on the track, you know? But, uh, in fact, I would say that if China and Russia are, say out loud that, hey, we're worried that really this smacks of um, a kind of a not-so-overt uh, way of saying, suck this, everybody in the world, check out our uh, ability to you know, blast your communication satellites from out of the sky, then I would say, yeah. It's probably true because I don't trust this government worth a fuck. So if somebody's accusing them of some sh shit, I, you know, I'm more likely to go with this shit. 
A woman who worked for the United Nations died today after falling from the 19th floor of the U.N. Secretariat building. Police and U.N. security officers at the scene who spoke on condition of anonymity because they weren't supposed to talk to us. Uh, they said that a woman in her 40s had jumped from a window after showing up to work early in the morning. The U.N. agency staff member died after falling from the 19th floor of the U.N. Secretary Building. U.N. Deputy Spokeswoman uh, Marie Okubi said at uh, this time, there's no suspicion of foul play. What? Uh, Okubi said U.N. officials could not confirm her identity even after her next of kin were notified the official cause of death was uh, to be determined she may have died for example of something else on the way down like she could, could have died from you know a like cancer on the way down she had 19 floors un staff rushed to the scene and escorted investigators to the rear area, rear area of the building where yellow tape was put up around the woman's body some un staff was blocked from leaving the building just after the discovery uh, back in 1982 a 57-year-old senior un official who had just uh, resigned from the Office of Financial Services and was reported to have been upset about uh, his failing health, plunged to his death from the 18th floor of the Secretariat Building. So this woman obviously was trying to uh, break that record. Do we hear 19? Do we hear 19? Do we hear 20? 20, 20, 20. So, and by the way, this is a 57-year-old senior UN official who resigned from the Office of Financial Services and was upset about his failing health? I don't think so. First of all, who resigns at 57? If he was resigning at 57, it was because he was forced to resign. If he was in financial services, it was because he was probably doing something hinky with the books. And he probably plunged to his death because he was probably trying to keep it a secret. And uh, he was riddled with shame. And the, the, the UN decided that, you know, instead of making a ruckus, they'd say he had failing health. I mean, people don't jump out of their office building that they just retired from because they got failing health. They go home and hang themselves in the garage. Penny saved is not necessarily just a penny earned. One man's collection of rare American cents has turned into 10. $0.7 million at an auction windfall. A collection of 301 pennies featured some of the rarest and earliest examples of the American penny, including a set that was minted for two weeks in 1793, but was abandoned because Congress thought Lady Liberty looked frightened. <laughs> she had this look on her muck like, holy McGillicuddy, Captain. The coin in a 1794 set. Ho there. Now look at here, Kingfish. The coin in a 1794 set with tiny stars added to prevent counterfeiters each raised hundreds of thousands of dollars, according to the Dallas-based auction house Heritage Auction Galleries, which held the sale on Long Beach on Friday night. Heritage Auction President Gary Rowan said the auction was the biggest ever for a penny collection with hundreds of bidders vying for the coins. Pre-sale estimates valued the collection at around $7 million. It was a fabulous night, Rowan said. Every major coin collector of American sense was either there in person, a bidding online, or on the telephone. The coins came from the collection of Burbank resident Walter J. Huzak, 
the owner of an aerospace part manufacturing company, Huzak became interested in collecting at the age of 13 while visiting his grandparents uh, who paid him in old coins for helping with the household chores. There were 168 successful bidders. The, the auction gallery got 15% of the total. So they got $1.5 million out of the $10.7 million. Not a bad haul for the auction house. And still not a bad haul for the guy who still ended up with over $8.5 million for $3 worth of fucking pennies. Huh? Huh? Only in America. You notice that was just like my Armenian from before. Skittish kitten that scampered out of its carrier in a subway platform had been found after 25 days in the underground tunnels. Transit workers tracked down the six-month-old Georgia under uh, uh, Midtown Manhattan yesterday. Police reunited her own, with her owner, Ashley Phillips, a 24-year-old Bronx librarian. After hearing that the black cat may have been spotted below Lexington Avenue and East 55th Street, track workers Mark D'Alessio and Efren Laporte went through the area making meow sounds. I shit you not. Georgia responded, and they found her cowering in a drain between two tracks. Georgia had lost some weight, scratched her nose, but was otherwise unhurt. Oh, and she had AIDS. She had disappeared while Phillips was bringing her home from a veterinarian visit last month. She jumped off the subway platform, and she thought she lost her for good. And a bunch of couple of fucking hard-ass fucking subway workers went into the tunnels and meowed until they fucking coaxed her out. Can you imagine? Only in New York City. You know, people always say, they always have the impression that New York City people are like cold-ass, like mean people. But let me tell you, man, I, I, I would hate to be stuck on the subway if the subway broke down with people from L.A. or any other fucking city in the world than New York City because they fucking come together, man, like nobody else, in my humble opinion. But uh, that's just me. And I'll be damned, here comes that ghost again. It's not that unusual. It's just that the moon is full and you happen to call. And here I sit, hand on the telephone, hearing a voice I had known a couple of light years ago, heading straight for a fall. It's Joni on JR. Please don't touch that dial. memories 
bring diamonds and rust Will you burst on the scene already? The girl on the half shell could keep you unharmed. Now I see you standing with brown leaves falling all around and snow in your hair. Now you're smiling out the window of that crummy hotel over Washington Square. Our breath comes out white. And then 
and they have to die Trapped within the circle time parade Of changes Scenes of my young years were warm in my mind Visions of shadows that shine Till one day I returned And found they were the victims of the vines Of changes The world spinning madly It drifts in the dark Swings through a hollow of haze A race around the stars A journey through the universe ablaze With changes will part to a strange melody as fires will sometimes burn cold like petals in the wind were puppets till the silver strings of souls of changes your tears will be trembling now we're somewhere else one last cup of wine we will pour and I'll kiss you one more time and leave you on the rolling 
river shores of changes. Sit by my side, come as close as the air, and share in a memory of gray. Wander in my words, dream about the pictures that I play of changes. Phil Oaks on Jester Radio. There you go. That's all I got to say about that. Holy fuck. It just doesn't get any better than that. Joan Baez started that set with her uh, song about getting a phone call at 4 o'clock in the morning from Bob Dylan called Diamonds and Rust. She ended up doing a whole album based on that one phone call. Just turned her whole little world topsy-turvy. Thanks so very much for stopping by and spending a little uh, time with us this evening. You've been listening to a Ravings of a Clown this Sunday, February the 17th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Extra special thanks to Bertram, who called in earlier, Louis and Espo, who stopped by the Just Radio chat room, and to all those who stopped by. Remember, the show repeats at 2 a.m. and then again again at 2 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. So tell your friends and your neighbors. Also, there's a podcast you can subscribe to. It's all at justradio.com. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. Until that time, Hustis, she grew up with the children of the stars in the Hollywood Hills and the Boulevard. And her parents threw big parties. Everyone was there. And they hung out like with folks like... Dennis Hopper and Bob Seeger and Sonny and Cher. Now she feels safe now in her bar on Fairfax. She grew up with the children of the stars. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow. In the Hollywood Hills and the Boulevard. Her parents threw big parties. Everyone was there. They hung out with folks like Dennis Hopper and Bob Seeger and Sonny and Cher. She feels safe now in this bar on Fairfax. And from the stage I can tell that she can't let go and she can't relax. And just before she hangs her head to cry. Sing to her a lullaby. I sing everything is gonna be alright. Rockabye, rockabye. Everything is gonna be alright. Rockabye, rockabye, rockabye. City. Down that street about a half a mile And all her friends tell her She's so pretty And she'd be a whole lot prettier If she smiled once in a while Cause even her smile looks like a frown She's seen her share of devils in this angel town
I can hold my head still with my hands and my knees 